It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 931 381-4567 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And welcome into the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, January 24th. We're glad that you're a part of the program tonight. We look forward to your input on the Virtual Bible Study tonight. You input to the program tonight by dialing 877-381-4567. That's a toll-free number, and we'll pay the bill tonight if you will call on the phone at 877-381-4567, or you can email questions at collegeview.com is the email address to use, questions at collegeview.com. We're looking forward to your participation in the program tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, good to be with you, as always, on Thursday night for the virtual Bible study. Of course, we're grateful for all of our listeners, too. We've got a number of people who make it a regular Thursday appointment. We're very, very grateful. Thank you for being out there tonight and for joining in on the study. We hope you have your Bibles out as we go to the Bible every Thursday night on this program to study God's Word, to find out what His will is for us in our lives, because we want to be pleasing to Him. And the way that we are pleasing to Him is by submitting our will to His His will is found in the pages of the Bible, and so we're going to look there tonight. We hope you have your Bible out and you're ready to study along with us. Remember that we want your participation, and you can do that uh, several ways now. You can send email, which is very easy, and that's uh, certainly the the vast number of our responses are by email. We're glad to get your emails. You can phone us. Uh, we, We get some phone calls. We'd like to have more. The phone line is typically open, and you can call. But we also have that new means available on our website where you can send us an audio comment by the Internet. Uh, We haven't had anybody take us up on that yet, Jake. If we need somebody to be brave enough to get out there and and send us an audio message from our website. That's right. Uh, You can uh, record that audio message for us there. All you need is a simple microphone plugged into your computer. Don't worry about getting it exactly right the first time. If you mess up, you're not going to be obligated to send that. It'll let you listen to it before you send it. Uh, So you can take a few tries at uh, your message to make sure you get it like you like. And we can touch it up on this end as well once we get it. But just uh, send us an audio message about uh, a recent topic on the virtual Bible study. We can play your comment. Or as you mentioned, Dad, in your uh, update that you sent out today, you can leave an audio comment. Rather than typing your email, just plug in your microphone and let us know what you think uh, with an audio comment. Exactly. We'd love for you to try that. We're kind of interested in how that will work, and we want somebody to step up and be brave enough to give that a, a go. Yeah, you can just also uh, give us a little promo there. Tell us that you're out there because this is a Bible study group that we gather together on the Internet, but we can't see each other, so it'd be beneficial for people to know that I'm uh, John Doe and I'm in uh, Anywhere USA. I'm listening to the virtual Bible study. We could play that, and people could benefit from knowing that you're out there. So we hope you'll do that. Exactly right. We sent out a couple of questions earlier today, Jacob, to our update list. And again, as we've frequently said, if you'd like to be on that list, get our updates uh, each week. Uh, just send us an, an email to questions at collegeview.com. And just you can even just put in the subject line, put me on your list, and we'll do that. Um, we 
sent out these questions earlier to Jacob uh, earlier today, Jacob, and, it, and they introduce what we want to talk about in our program tonight. Question number one, should our current practice in giving be affected in any way by the Old Testament law of tithing? Yes or no? Why or why not? That was question one. Question two, should we base our giving on our gross income or on our net income after taxes, etc.? Well, I guess you get from the questions, Jacob, that we're going to talk about giving tonight. That's right. We're going to talk about giving, and we want to hear your feedback on the program tonight. 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. Those are the two questions we'd like your feedback on, or we'll take any question or comments you might have about giving. As we talk about giving, Dad, uh, it's important for us to notice that uh, God throughout time has expected his people to be a giving and sacrificial people. Uh, we can look at through history and see that uh, God has set forth that precedent for us. Yeah, really, through every period of time in which God dealt with human beings, as he continues to deal with us today, uh, during the patriarchal period, he expected them to make sacrifices to him. We read that early on with Cain and Abel in Genesis chapter 4, he expected them to make sacrifices. From the beginning of time, really, uh, right in the beginning of Genesis there, we see that sacrificial nature required. When God gave the law to Moses on Mount Sinai that would, would pertain to the Israelites specifically, there was a whole lot of instruction there about the kinds and the, the various natures of the sacrifices that they were to make. I mean, a lot of instruction in the book of Leviticus about how... You could how spend the, the rest of the night reading those passages. Yeah, Exactly. And then, of course, we're going to talk about the New Testament dispensation. We're going to talk about the law of Christ. And certainly, uh, under the law of Christ, we're obligated to be giving. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 2, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, uh, beginning actually verse 1, Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. Notice, Paul said that he had given order to the churches of Galatia. He was telling the church at Corinth to do the same. This was not just a suggestion. This was inspired instruction, inspired command that the Christians were to be laying by in store on the first day of the week. So God has required since the beginning of time and throughout time that his people be sacrificial in giving to him. And when people have failed to do that throughout time, throughout all the periods of of time, the way that God has dealt with people throughout time, uh, that has had consequences when they fail to give as they should. We go back to Genesis chapter 4, verse 7, with the uh, story of Cain and Abel. God was pleased with uh, Abel's uh, sacrifice, Cain's sacrifice. God was displeased with it. And so uh, there were consequences for failing to give as they should back then. Under the Mosaic period as well, in Malachi chapter 3, verses 8 and 9, we see God's displeasure with their sacrificial giving. In Malachi chapter 3, verses 8 and 9, we read, Will a man rise? God, yet ye have robbed me. But you say, Wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. You're cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. And so God felt robbed by the giving of the people in the Mosaic period when they didn't give as he, as he had required of them. You know, Jacob, the, the interesting thing is, you know, someone might ask, Well, why did God want people to do that? Clearly, it was not because God needs it. God doesn't need anything that we can give. I mean, he, He's the all sufficient creator of the universe he certainly is not dependent upon mortal men to give material gifts to him he is not somehow in heaven and his existence demands or or necessitates our gifts it's not for him in that sense but god understands that there's a there's a a value a valuable benefit to us 
to make sacrifice, and he's always demanded that of people. So we want to talk about that tonight, and we'd like your input on that. What is your view of God's requirement for us to be giving to him? Let us know at 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. Dad, what we talk about tonight is going to be focused about our giving uh, to the Lord uh, on the first day of the week. But that's just a small portion of our of our giving that we should be the using of the blessings that God has given we're, us. We're going to concentrate our program about our financial contributions, about our monetary giving. I mean, that's that's what to we're to the Lord's body, to, 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 to the work the, of the church on the first day of the week. The, even that is a small portion of the use of our of our monetary uh, yeah. uh, blessings. Perhaps somebody uh, somebody might make the point. Well, we are supposed to sacrifice of our time and our energy and. So and there's no denying that we're not denying it. We're going to focus on one aspect. We're going to focus on our giving first day of the week contribution to the to the Lord's church. But uh, you know, don't, don't take it that we mean that if you did that and did it just right, that that'd be all the giving. You wouldn't have to give another dime, or you wouldn't have to give any of your uh, talents. Uh, exactly yeah. right. Exactly right. Let me repeat these questions that we sent out again because we want to get your feedback. If you've not already sent us a response, and we've got several, but if you have if you have time and, and can do it, send us a response right now. Number one, should our current practice in giving be affected in any way by the Old Testament law of tithing? Yes or no? Why or why not? Number two, should we base our giving on our gross income or on our net income? By that we mean after tax income and so forth. Let us know what you think. Send us an email. Give us a phone call. The phone line is open. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. You've got that option to send us an audio message as well. All right. Jump in now and let us know your thoughts. Well, let's talk about our giving and uh, the first day of the week giving. Uh, as we talked about, uh, sacrifice is required. And so as we have the discussion tonight, uh, we need to keep that in mind. As we talk about giving, we're talking about making a sacrifice. And if we're not making a sacrifice, it's not the kind of giving that God requires. You know, I think one of the things we want to stress is is that word sacrifice. Sacrifice means you give, and because you give, therefore you do without what you would have, could have, would have, and could have done otherwise. It's it's the notion that uh, King David set forth in Second Samuel chapter twenty four. David had sinned, and a sacrifice was necessary, and he was he was at a place. He was at the threshing floor of a row now that's where he happened to be at the time when he when it came clear that he needed to make a sacrifice to the lord and this man around now offered to give him uh the oxen to sacrifice and the and and all the things necessary to to make the offering but david responded in second samuel 24 24 he said no i will surely buy it from you for a price nor will I offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God of that which cost me nothing. And so uh, he proceeded to buy the threshing floor and make the sacrifices. But the, the point of it was, you know, this is sacrifice. David understood that. If this man just gave him these things and he offered them, then he himself would not have sacrificed anything in the matter. And he said, "I'm not going to make an offering in that fashion." Okay, so David wouldn't be giving if it wasn't if it was didn't cost him anything. If it was totally free to him, it wouldn't be a gift that David was giving. No sacrifice to him. No sacrifice. But say David had been giving something that was of value to him. But it was his excess, his leftover, that still wouldn't be pleasing to God. Notice Luke chapter 21, beginning of verse 1. Luke 21, verse 1, And he looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury, and he saw also a certain poor widow putting in two mites. So he said, Truly I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all, for all these out of their abundance have put in offerings for God. 
but she out of her poverty put in all the livelihood that she had. We see this widow dad was pleasing to God with her giving. The others were not pleasing to God, yet they were giving sums of money. They were giving in, money to in, God. In quantity, in other words, in, in, in actual monetary amount, they were giving more. But it was of their abundance. It was their excess. They weren't really sacrificing in order to give that much, whereas this widow actually gave all she had. She sacrificed. She, she, by giving what she gave, she was going to do without. And the Lord was pleased with that gift and commended it over the others. And so we need to keep that in mind as we talk about our giving. We may be giving large sums of money to the Lord, Dad, but if it is our abundance and it is money that we don't even miss, that we didn't have any use for to begin with, then God's not pleased with that. We need to be making sacrifices as we give. I think that's right. And, you know, uh, we often stress the fact that we live in the most prosperous country, in the most prosperous time in the history of the world. And since we are the world's most prosperous people and the most prosperous people in the history of time, then we need to really seriously think about this business of making sacrifice. Are we just giving out of our abundance? Are we actually sacrificing something to do without so that we can contribute to the Lord's cause? That's a that's a, a worthy question. It's pertinent. We need to deal with it. It's something to think about as we give, uh, as we give on a regular basis. Think about that. Are you making sacrifices in your giving? Because without those sacrifices, God is not pleased with our giving. Something for us to think about. And, Dad, we're not talking about uh, easy answers here tonight. Uh, there's going to be some difficult answers that uh, maybe some uncomfortable answers that we have to make. But that's part of sacrificing. You know, sacrifice is the, is the word we want to stress. Uh, and, and I believe we see that that is supposed to characterize our giving in the New Testament. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 9, beginning verse 6 says, This I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for the Lord loves a cheerful giver. Uh, th- that's the idea. You know, are you giving bountifully or are you just just seeing what you can get by with? You know, I, that's what concerns me is that too many people want to know. Tell me the minimum here. You tell me the you, you you tell me just how much I have to give and I'll give that much and not a dollar more. I, I'll, I'll give that much. Whatever you can dictate to me is necessary Give me that much, and, I, and I'll give that. But I don't want to give any extra. In other words, there's a, there, you're trying to reach this minimum level, and, and you don't want to give any more than that. It's a wrong attitude. It's not a sacrificial attitude. Well, let's, uh, let's go to a break here, and uh, when we get back, we'll continue the discussion and hopefully hear from you. 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. After these important messages, we'll be back to take your comments. Email them during this break. Hi, I'm Lane Crawford, a member of the College View Church of Christ. If you've never visited with the College View Church of Christ, you may be wondering what our worship services are like. One thing we have at every worship service is music. We believe God has commanded that music be a part of our worship. But something you may notice about our worship is that the music we have in our worship is different than the music used by many in the religious world today. The music we worship God with is strictly vocal. We don't believe God has commanded us to worship Him with instrumental music. Therefore, since we want God to approve of the worship we offer Him, we only worship in the way that He has specified. In Colossians 3.16, God instructs, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. 
Instructions like this in which only vocal music is commanded are the only instructions we can find in the New Testament. Since God didn't tell us that he wanted us to worship him with instrumental music, how can we be sure that he wants that kind of worship? We do know that if we worship God like he prescribed with vocal music, that he'll be happy with that kind of worship. We hope you'll make plans to visit with the College View Church of Christ to learn more about what our worship is like. We'd love to have you join us in worship of our Creator this Sunday at 9.30 a.m. Hello, I'm Nick Law from Jennings, Florida. I love to listen to the virtual Bible study and hear God's Word taught every Thursday night. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Colossians 3:17. Now, back to the program. And welcome back to the virtual Bible study. Stay tuned uh, tonight as we talk about giving and God's requirement for us to be giving in our service to him. We're looking forward to your participation again at 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com, or if you're listening in the archives and would like to go to our website and leave us an audio comment, you can find that on our website, collegeview.com or thevirtualbiblestudy.com. Join in on the discussion now. We're looking forward to hearing from you. As we talked about our giving and we talked about the fact that it is sacrificial, that part of that sacrifice requires planning if you're going to give a sacrifice, there's going to have to be some planning involved with that. By uh, by nature, uh, a sacrifice requires some planning involved to make sure that uh, we are sacrificing as we should. That's right. And we already read Second Corinthians chapter nine, verses six and seven. But notice the expression there in verse seven. Second Corinthians nine seven. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart. So that, that purposing in the heart suggests that it needs to be by a plan. We've often pointed out that, you know, if you wait until the collection plate is being passed on Sunday morning and you reach in your wallet to see how much, you know, cash you might have left there after having done everything else you wanted to do all weekend long, that that's not much of a plan, you know. And it's not much giving. <laughs> it's probably not much giving. It's <laughs> probably not wallet. much money left. But the, the idea is, you know, this should be planned. This should be budgeted. You know, the first thing in, in – if if you write out a budget, I don't know how many people will actually write out a budget, but if you have in, in your mind a mental budget of, of your expenses and so forth, the, t- the thing at the top of the list needs to be your giving to the Lord. That ought to come first. That ought to be at the top priority. Too many people don't plan, and, and then they go out and obligate themselves to all kind of payments and everything, and, and so their money runs out, and they don't have anything left to give. That's bad planning. This, Not only is it bad planning, it's sinful yeah, exactly right. It's, it's directly not obeying that command to purpose in your heart. All right. What do you think about that? We're looking forward to your participation. It is planning in your heart. It is purposing in your heart that is required. And uh, inherent in that and in part of that uh, instruction is that it would be personal in nature. It is as you purpose in your heart. Uh, there's no one who can mandate what you're going to give. That's something that's between you and God, and you need to make up your mind to be sacrificing in your giving. I think that's a good point. We're, you know, we're talking about giving, and we actually, I think, have some strong comments and, and guidelines to suggest, but no one is able to dictate you give X amount, you give this percentage. You know, we're going to talk here in a minute about what was true of the Old Testament times, but in the, in the New Testament, we are not told a specific amount. We are told, though, to give generously. Remember, he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. So we're to give generously. We're not to give grudgingly or of necessity. The Lord loves a cheerful giver, but we should, we should, 
and we should take all that into consideration, but nobody can mandate. And anything that we might say tonight, Jacob, uh, we, we would not want anybody to misunderstand that we're saying this is absolute your requirement because here's, you know, the law on that matter. Well, if we were to be able to make a statement like that, wouldn't that then, uh, cancel out the idea of, uh, being a cheerful giver and not of necessity? If, if, if it was mandated, it would be of necessity. Yeah. If you said, okay, I've got to give this much and that's what I'm going to do because that's what I've got to do, then it's of necessity and that's not uh, being a cheerful giver and it's not pleasing to God. So uh, there are no levels that we could establish. But now add one more thing to that, Jacob. It is supposed to be in proportion to our prosperity. <clears throat> we read earlier 1 Corinthians 16, 1 and 2. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store, as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. Now, if my giving is to be according to a plan, as I purpose in my heart, and it's supposed to be as I have been prospered, then it should go without saying that if I'm prospered more, I should give more. You know, that that if, if my prosperity has increased, my giving should increase. And I'm afraid that doesn't often happen either. I think some people just sort of have in their mind, this is what I give to the Lord. And they don't they don't think of a correlation between what I've made and the increase in what I'm making. I should be giving more. But we should. As we, as we are prospered, as God has prospered us, we're to give in proportion to that. All right. We're still looking forward to hearing from you. Why don't you give to us a little bit and uh, give us your input? 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. Those are the ways you can participate in the program tonight. It's not of necessity, but we would like a cheerful comment or two, so join in on the discussion. Well, go ahead. Go ahead. I thought we might talk about tithing, you know, uh, as, as a misconception some people have. Some people think we're supposed to or are actually obligated to give a tithe. That's right. Uh, you know, we talked about the fact that we can't set certain levels. Uh, and we can't say, here's the level you have to attain to. And if we would, then that would cancel out the idea of uh, not doing it of necessity. But there are many people in the religious world today who are doing just that, who are establishing a level that has to be reached and, and attained to. And that is they're going back to the Old Testament and getting da- da- that tithe, which literally is a tenth of, of your income. They're saying that you must give that or else you're not pleasing to God. Now, let's let's acknowledge that. To the Jews in the Old Testament, there was a law of tithing. And the, as you said, Jacob, the tithe was to give a tenth part or 10%. They did that when they, when they had an increase. If they had an increase in their harvest, whatever, whatever, whatever they brought in of the harvest, they gave 10% and so forth. And so there was a tithing law for the Jews under the Old Testament, but that's not repeated in the New Testament. And so nobody could say, well, we got to get, we, we've got to tithe today. Well, remember, we're looking for our authority from the New Testament. Uh, we don't go to the Old Testament for our religious authority today. We learn lessons from the Old Testament, but it's not our authority for religious practice today. And so if we're, if we're going to be teaching tithing as a necessity, then we're going to have to establish that that was taught in the New Testament to Christians, and you can't find that. You're going to have to bring some uh, cattle with you when you bring your tithe if we're going to go back to the Old Testament for that part of the law. Well, they gave it. They gave a ten percent, ten percent of anything that amounted to their prosperity or increase. You know, when they did other things as well. I mean, we yeah. have to take all of the old ball. Yeah, they gave more sacrifices than that, actually. But they right. gave, but they gave a tithe of their of their increase in their harvest and then and, and so forth. 
So, uh, but that's not our law. And, you know, so somebody who teaches the necessity of tithing is going beyond the scriptures. That's not something that we can bind today. And I think it re- we should really stress that we're not binding the tithing law. It's not there. Now, here's the question that we asked, though. The question we asked earlier was, should our current practice in giving be affected in any way by the Old Testament law of tithing? Yes or no, why or why not? And we've got several responses to that. Randy in Jackson, Missouri says yes and no. We are not commanded anywhere in the New Testament to give any certain amount, only that giving is described as a sacrifice. If it is not a sacrifice, then it is not New Testament giving. The Old Testament Jews actually had to give more than 10%, while 10 to 30% is not commanded in the New Testament. It does give us some idea of what God considers an adequate gift. Also, the Old Testament practice of giving from the first fruits should be applied today as giving before spending our money on other things. I like what Randy says there, uh, especially there at the end, about uh, it should be the first of our fruits. You know, it, it is a portion to what we have prospered, not what we have left over. I think that's really a good point, Randy. Thanks for that comment. I, I would line up just with Randy exactly on this. We're not commanded in the New Testament to give any certain amount. Uh, but, uh, you know, it does give us some idea of what God considered an adequate gift if it was... In other words, if the Jews under the Old Testament dispensation were expected to give 10 percent, seems just logical or reasonable that that would give us at least a starting point for consideration. We're not binding it. Now, I've got to stress, we're not binding that. But it it, it, it should make you think they they had to give a 10 percent. That was their law. It was mandated to them. We live under a different dispensation, which is better. We have better promises. We have better spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus. And so where's the logic that says we live in a better time with better blessings, but we should be giving less than what they gave? That, to me, just doesn't logically fit. And if you have to ask the question, do I have to give 10 percent? Again, you have to ask yourself, is that the attitude that is described there in First Corinthians where it's not of necessity? Uh, but a cheerful uh, giver. You have to ask yourself, if you look at this uh, discussion and say, do I have to give a certain level? Then perhaps you need to look at your, your attitude along those lines. Garland in Knoxville, Tennessee, wrote, uh, I suppose that since the New Testament is not very specific concerning the amount we should give, then looking to the Old Testament can give us some sort of idea concerning what God sees as reasonable. I don't buy the idea that since the New Testament is better than the Old Testament, we should give at least as much as they did in the Old Testament. It seems rather speculative to draw a link between the quality of the covenant and our financial contribution to the Lord's work. So Garland doesn't agree necessarily with what I was just suggesting. And I'm not sure the way he worded that is the way I would word it. I'm just saying if under the Old Testament 10% was considered reasonable and right and commanded, why would on what basis would we say that we could or should give less than that? In other words, I do think we live under a, a better covenant with better blessings. But that notwithstanding, upon what basis would we say we know for a fact that that was what was reasonable to God in the Old Testament time? On what basis would we say that's not reasonable today or it, it, that doesn't seem like a logical starting place for considerations today? I, I don't know how you do that. All right. Johnny says, if we say that we use the Old Testament as example, then, of course, we would be affected and would have to you give the tithe. If you believe in tithing, then you should give 10 percent. If you do not believe in tithing, then you should still give no less than 10%. Why? Because you should give God at least as much or more than you would give a waitress as a tip. 
That's an interesting way to look at it. Sure is. Johnny is from Leoma, Tennessee. Johnny, we appreciate your comment. Uh, I don't believe in tithing as, you know, he said, if you believe in tithing, you should give him. I don't believe in tithing as a New Testament ordinance. It's not taught. You can't find, you can't find that in the New Testament anywhere. Uh, Johnny, but, Johnny acknowledges that. But he says, if you don't believe in tithing, you should still give. Thanks, 10%. Johnny goes on, you asked, should our current practice be affected? Yes. Does the New Testament teach us to tithe? I don't find it. I only find that we should give as we are prospered. Thus, this teaches us a fraction system. Uh, Then we can at least uh, use 10% as a guide. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying that this is just a guide. It gives you you some point of consideration. You know, if, if if you were required to give something to someone, you know, even when we give gifts at certain times of the year, so you're going to this to to this party or you're going to this occasion where gifts are going to be exchanged. What do you usually ask? Well, how much are we supposed to spend on the gifts? You know, you're supposed to bring a gift for a gift exchange sometime or another. Well, how much? What kind of gifts are they giving? Are they giving ten dollar gifts? They giving twenty dollar gifts? I'd like to, I'd like some I'd like some guidance here as to how much I should spend so that I be so that my gift would be considered reasonable in that situation. Well, that's what we're saying about using the Old Testament tithing law, not our law, not bound, not taught in the New Testament, but it gives some guideline. Exactly. Jake in Finland, uh, we talked about Jake. We heard Jake on the program last week, and he was the starting point, the springboard for our discussion. He has chimed in on the discussion tonight. He says, uh, I see the law of tithing in the Old Testament as a good precedent for how we should give. 10% is a good way to do it. Remember that Jesus himself opted to notice the widow who gave her last out of the goodness of her heart, unlike the wealthy who were simply uh, giving away leftovers. And so Jake uh, echoes what we've said so far. Yeah, and and we commented about the the widow who gave all that she had and was commended for that in Luke chapter 21, verses 1 through 4. And that's the reference that Jake is is referring to there when he mentions that. Jim, our good friend Jim in Mount Pleasant, Tennessee, has written in and says, again, remember the question, should our current practice of giving be affected in any way by the Old Testament law of tithing? And uh, he says, in one respect, yes, uh, it should be affected, but only from the standpoint of recognizing that it was also a practice under the old law, which God authorized, and we know that it pleased him. Other than that, our command today is to give as we've been prospered, and thus God does not limit how much we may give back to him. I think that's an interesting way to look at it, the way Jim has suggested. I remember a a fellow asking a preacher, this story's been around for a long time, but he asked the preacher, he says, Preacher, do we have to give 10%? Are we obligated like the Jews? Do we have to give a tithe? Do we have to give 10%? And the preacher said, oh, no, absolutely not. You said, we're not limited to 10%. We can give a lot more if we want to. And that'd probably be a good way to look at it. All right. We're going to take a break. And when we get back, we're going to take your comments, hopefully, over the phone at 877-381-4567 or over email. Questions at collegeview.com. Stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after this. These guys are doing all of the talking. We need to hear from you. Call in now. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Hi. My name is Mike Johnson. I'm a member here at the College of View Church of Christ. Have you ever heard someone say that the members of the Church of Christ are too legalistic? 
Generally, people say this when we say that we must be careful to follow all the commands that God has given us. When we say, God says we must do this, or God doesn't command us to do that, people respond with, the members of the church of Christ are too legalistic. Well, while it may be impossible to know exactly what people mean when they make this accusation, if they are accusing us of being legalistic because we say that we should follow all the instructions that God has given us, then that accusation is correct. But let me ask you this. Which of the commands that God has given us should we ignore? Can we pick and choose which commands we follow, or must we follow them all? Jesus said we have to follow all the commands of God when he said in Luke chapter 6, verse 46, And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? We want to call Jesus our Lord, so we try to follow all the commandments that he has given us. Us. We don't in any way think that following God's commands earns our salvation, but we do think it is necessary to be pleasing to Him. Here at the College of the Church of Christ, we're trying to follow every command that God has given us. If, as a result, some people call us legalistic, then so be it. We think it's what God calls being righteous. I'm James Buchanan from Columbia, Tennessee, and I love to listen to the virtual Bible study. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. The virtual Bible study continues. And we're back. Thank you again for being a part of the program tonight. And thank you if you've commented so far. If you haven't, now is the time. Jump on the phone or get on your email and let us know what you think about giving as we read about it in the New Testament. We're taking our listeners' feedback on two questions, should our current practice in giving be affected in any way by the Old Testament law of tithing? And should we base our giving on our gross income or our net income before taxes or after taxes? Let us know what you think about that. We are looking at our listeners' comments on that first question, Dad. Should our practice of giving be affected by the Old Testament law of tithing? And to that question, Frank in Indianapolis says... Yes, I think that we have a reason to use the Old Testament as a basis for many of the things we do. Not that we follow it, but we look to it to get a direction about the feelings of God. We can enumerate many things in worship in our lives and our need to follow the laws of the land and many more. The Old Testament practice certainly should give us a way to look at giving. Remember the lady who gave a mite, almost everything she had, or maybe all that time, should it, that not be a consideration since Jesus was tremendously pleased with her giving? What do you think? Good comment, Frank. Frank, Frank is, uh, I think, in agreement with what we're saying here. It seems like a reasonable thing uh, to, to use the Old Testament as a guideline. Uh, we've got Maya, who has sent in a response, uh, and she says, uh, it, should our current practice in giving be affected by Old Testament law of tithing? No. It is good that we give what we have to God. He never expects anything in return, but it is out of duty to give to God so that people involved in God's ministry will be helped. Uh, She may be uh, answering Jacob from the standpoint of it's not our law. Uh, The Old Testament is not our law, uh, but it is good to give to God for the purposes of continuing his work. And so uh, that's her comment. All right. Wade in Hampshire, Tennessee says, and I quote, boy, you sure do ask some hard questions. I think that the Old Testament law of tithing is a good example to show us how to give. Of course, we know that the Old Testament was nailed to the cross, Colossians 2.14, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. Second Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 7 says, But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall also reap sparingly. He that showeth bountifully shall also reap bountifully. Every man that uh, every man according as he, as he hath purposed in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. God doesn't tell us what to give. 
He lets us choose what we want to give. And so we appreciate Wade for those comments. And real quickly, we've got Jason from Pennsylvania who writes in Moses Law required the Israelites to give a tithe of their increase to support the Levites so their focus could be on the duties that the Lord had given to them. Numbers 18, uh, 21 and following, Malachi 3, verses 7 and following. God wants his workers supported in their duties. When we are giving, we should be concerned about supporting the spread of the gospel and the well-being of our fellow priests to the Lord, all Christians, of course, being priests. That's something we haven't really commented upon, Jacob. If we're committed to what that money is being used for, in other words, if that's a priority for us too, you know, that the work of the Lord, the spreading of the gospel, the furtherance of his kingdom, if we're committed to that, then that should be a factor in our giving too. And I think that's what Jason's pointing out. This, think about what it's going to be used for. And if, if we realize the good of that, then that ought to motivate us to give as much as we can because it's the most important work People in the world. People give to things that they're interested in all the time. They give uh, to cancer research. They give to other charities because they understand that what's being accomplished is, is, is good and beneficial. And that should be our attitude as well. We want the work of the Lord to be able to continue. Exactly right. He go, Jason goes on, when it comes to the amount to give, I don't know how much we should allow the tithe to affect our giving. If anything, I think it would give us a good place to begin our giving because we are now under a better covenant with better promises. We should desire, if possible, to go further than what was expected of the Israelites because of the abundance of blessings we have been given in Christ. So we thank Jason for that response. We've got several more. Uh, our, our inbox is filling up here pretty quick. Let me give you uh, another answer from Anthony here in Columbia. He says, should the tithing of the Old Testament influence our giving today? He says the quick answer is no. We are not under the Old Testament law, and the New Testament does not reiterate the concept of tithing. To speculate that God expects the same thing, though he did not state such in the New Testament, would, I believe, be overstepping our bounds. If someone wanted to use tithing as a personal guideline, that is fine. Though tithing in the Old Testament was about more than just money. It included crops, livestock, etc., I think Anthony is reiterating some things there that we have have also commented upon. Is God didn't tell us in the New Testament to tithe. That's not repeated. Uh, and if you, Jacob, say I'm going to use that tithe as the guideline to determine my giving, and I say, well, I'm not going to, I'm going to, I'm going to give, but I, I'm not thinking along that line. I, I can't, I can't even command someone to think about the tithe as they're, uh, you know, purposing in their heart. I'm just saying it seems like it's valuable information we wouldn't want to overlook. Anthony brings up an interesting point, and uh, we hadn't talked about this yet, but what about that? He says that uh, in the Old Testament, the tithing was more than just money. It was crops, livestock, etc. Is our giving in the New Testament limited to the money that we've received, would you say? Well, you mean should we bring a cow or a pig to no, church? On no, I'm not saying that. But what if uh, what if you were prospered in some way other than uh, monetarily? Well, I think that ought to be factored into. In other words, what if someone gave you a, a, a gift of some value, but it wasn't in dollars? Right. Maybe maybe somebody gave you somebody gave you a hundred acres of land. Should or a new automobile or something. Or a new automobile. Should you factor that into your considerations? I. I would think so. I mean, that's prosperity. There, that you've been prospered in that fashion. So I would think so. Really, the old, the, the Jews of the Old Testament, when when you factored in everything they were given, they were given more than a, than ten percent of their wealth uh, on on any at any given time because of not only the tithe but other sacrifices they're going to make. And that was mentioned, I think, in in, in several uh, comments we had too. Let me get you to some of these other uh, emails. Uh, 
Keith in uh, in Lynchburg, Tennessee, says, no, we should not base our giving on the Old Testament law of tithing. We must observe Hebrews 8, verses 7 through 13, in which the old law has passed away, meaning we are no longer bound by that law. Uh, we would definitely agree with Keith on that. We're, and we're not trying to say that we've got to keep the tithing law. That's Old Testament uh, command to the Jews. And we're and nobody's enforcing that. I hope we've been very clear on that, Jacob, that we're not trying to enforce the Old Testament tithing law. Anybody who does that would be certainly uh, overstepping their bounds. Uh, uh, it would be wrong. Again, putting that level on it would, uh, by default, uh, negate that idea that this is not of necessity. Uh, so this needs to be something that we purpose in our heart and uh, that we do cheerfully, not trying to just meet a certain percentage. Uh, Dean in Leesville, Louisiana. Dean, glad you're listening to the Virtual Bible Study. He didn't night. used to be from Leesville, did he? Yeah. Oh, this Dean is a different. Okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. yeah you're, you're thinking of another one. I'm thinking of another. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Dean says, we also learn from tithing the seriousness of giving. When we fail to give as commanded, we are robbing God. Malachi 3, verse 8. That's an interesting expression there in Malachi 3, verse 8. God considered them to be robbing him when they didn't give as they were expected to give. Would God think any less of us? Would God think we're robbing him? Now, we're not saying tithe, but if we don't give adequately, don't you think God would say you're robbing him? I mean, I I don't want to rob from anybody, and I certainly don't want to rob from God. That's a serious thing to consider. All right. Thank you, Dean, for your participation on the program tonight. And uh, then we've got Jerry who writes in and says, how would you relate Matthew 520 to the present discussion? Well, it might be pertinent to to include there because in Matthew 520, Jesus said, except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall in no case enter to the kingdom of heaven. So there well, there was a lot about the Pharisees, but they were part of that righteousness. I think was that we look at the widow's might; they were giving of their abundance. Yeah, but and, they were uh, they meticulous. Yes. They were meticulous in their tithing. Matthew twenty three twenty three says they would even tithe of their mint, anise, and cumin. That is their garden herbs. They were so careful about tithing that they would give of their even their garden herbs, the the, the crop they got in in that. But their heart was bad. Their heart was bad, and so there's a lot about the Pharisees that was wrong. And as we purpose in our heart, it, it necessitates that our heart is in the right condition before God so that we can truly give as we should to God without having a pure heart that is dedicated to God, Dad, we can't give as he's asked for us to do in the New Testament. Okay, and Brad has emailed in and says, should the tithing of the Old Testament affect our giving today? He writes in and says, no. Jesus Christ in his sacrifice of himself on the cross has abrogated the law of Moses, Ephesians 2, verses 14 through 16. It no longer has any bearing on how we ought to conduct ourselves. By the way, wasn't the tithe in the law of Moses a wealth tax, not just not an income tax? In other words, wasn't the tithe 10% of one's total possessions, not of one's increase? I'd be glad to be corrected about that if I am wrong. I don't know. I, I'm not I'm not sure I could answer that last part of that question. Uh, uh, I think it was a, a tax on there. I think the word increase is used, but I'd have to go back and look. Uh, I'm not sure on that. Uh, it's a good question that Brad has asked. And I want to just reiterate one more time, we're almost up against a break here, and, and it'll be, make a good break point for our for our discussion. The point we're trying to make here about our giving, the New Testament specifies our giving. It's supposed to be as we have been prospered. It's supposed to be uh, as we purpose in our heart. It's supposed to be uh, cheerfully. It's supposed to be bountiful. 
All those kind of words are used, especially in 1 Corinthians 16, 1 and 2, and 2 Corinthians 9, verses 7, 8, 9. Those, that's what the New Testament teaches us. All this discussion about the tithing law of the Old Testament, we understand that that was a law for the Jews of the Old Testament. It does not pertain to us as law. But several have made the comment, and I tend to agree with the comment, that there's we, we, we learn lots of valuable things from the Old Testament. Not law, but we learn about different things that God expected of them and, and his interaction with them and so forth. I think it would be missing a point and not taking advantage of something that we can learn from the Old Testament. What did he expect of them? What was considered a reasonable amount for them? And therefore, we could use that at least as a guideline or a starting point for our considerations as to what would seem reasonable for us. It might be a good place to set a goal is what you're saying, but it is not a place that we should draw a line. Would you agree with that, putting it that way? We don't want to draw a line and say, I've got to give 10%, and so that's what I'm going to do, and I'm going to stop there. We might use it as a goal or a reference point. I think that's a good expression, reference point. But we're not saying I've got to give 10%. It's not. It's of necessity at that point, yeah. and it's not cheerful. Yeah. But it gives us an idea, frame of mind, and an area to begin our thinking as we begin to purpose in our heart. Well, you know, if we didn't have that Old Testament guideline, and then maybe we'd be thinking, well, should I be given half of what I make? Should I be given three quarters of my of of my income? Where where do I start here? What's what does the Lord consider to be a bountiful gift? I mean, I have. You mean I have no guideline? I have no point of reference here. I think we've got a point of reference there. Uh, by the way, uh, in, in re- reference to Brad's question about the tithing being on wealth rather than increase, the actual word increase is used in Deuteronomy 14, verse 22. Thou shalt truly, truly tithe all the increase of thy seed that the field bringeth forth year by year. So there it is described as a, as a, a 10% of increase rather than, than wealth. Total wealth, so that may that may be a, uh, uh, the answer to that question. Deuteronomy fourteen twenty two. All right, we'll take a break, and then when we get back, we'll have about fifteen minutes for your questions or comments, and we hope that you'll get them in line, and that you'll participate in the program. The phone line is cold tonight. We'd like for your comments over the phone at eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven or over email questions at collegeview dot com. There's more to go right after this. Are you listening? There's going to be a test on this stuff. Stay tuned. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. I'm Tom Goodall, a member of College View Church of Christ. Do you have a question about what has been said on the virtual Bible study tonight? Perhaps you disagree with something that was said or would just like more information about what you've heard. If so, we'd love to hear from you. Please contact us with any questions or comments that you might have. Email us at questions at collegeview.com and we can discuss any of your questions or comments with you privately or over email. Or if you would like to speak with someone in person, call us at 931-381-4567. Our promise to you is that we'll do our very best to give you a Bible answer for anything that we do or teach, and that we will do so in a loving manner. So if you have any questions or comments about our program tonight or any Bible subject, email us at questions at collegeview.com or call 931-381-4567. Thanks for listening to tonight's virtual Bible study, and we hope to hear from you soon. Hello, my name is Kent Bumgarner. My family and I love to listen to the virtual Bible study. Please join us. Missed a recent virtual Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the virtual Bible study. And welcome back. Thank you again. 
for your participation and for listening to the program tonight as we talk about giving and the fact that uh, this is really a matter of our heart and it really does display our attitude uh, towards God and his service by the way that we give our means. We got an email from Chris, and he makes a comment about the tithing thing we've been talking about. The idea of giving a tenth was actually before the law of Moses, with one example being that of Abraham. Abraham gave the tithe to uh, Melchizedek. And so uh, that's a good point from Chris, that that the the idea of giving a tenth actually predated the law of Moses. Is there any other example of anyone giving less than a tenth? There are many examples of those giving more than a tenth. That's pretty good. Pretty good observation. Thank you, Chris, for that. He asked a question. Does any other type of giving for the Lord's cause come into consideration or is it only what is given to the treasury of the local church on the Lord's Day? That's what we're emphasizing is what we give in, uh, on our first day of the week contribution. That's what we're really emphasizing. But as we said earlier in the program, Jacob, there's a lot of other things we need to be given. Well, to the Lord. you can't give all of your income on the first day of the week because we know there are other things that God requires of us in his service, other uses of our funds that God requires in his service. We have to provide for our own. Uh, we need to provide for uh, those who are needy on a personal basis. And so we can't give all of our funds on the first day of the week, but we are required to give on the first day of the week, and we should also then be willing to give beyond that uh, on other occasions. And so appreciate Chris for his comments. All right. Let's go to the second question we asked, Jacob. I think we've got some interesting feedback on that, and we've got some diverse answers. The question we asked was, should we base our giving on our gross income or on our net income, after-tax income? We're going to sort of get down to the... uh the heart literally of the matter here and uh, ask her maybe think about our our condition of our heart as we give yeah so you know what what we're saying here is let's let's say that i make ten dollars an hour and i work 40 hours and so my pay this week is four hundred dollars but i don't get a four hundred dollar check i mean i don't know after they take out the taxes and the social security and all that other so maybe maybe my check is like three hundred twenty dollars or something like that when I when I consider how much I'm going to give to the Lord, should I make my consideration based upon the fact that my gross income was 400, but my bring home was only 320? What do you think about that? Let's go to the listeners' feedback and see what they say. Randy in Jackson, Missouri, says a Christian brother once asked me this question, and my response was, "quote Just the fact that you are asking that question tells me you may have the wrong attitude about giving." Since our tax money is theoretically spent on things for our good, we should think of taxes paid as income. Okay, so Randy says that, uh, and and this is, I, I think, again, Randy's right online with my thinking on this. Our tax money is theoretically spent on things for our good. We should think of taxes paid as income. In other words, so I didn't, so my gross pay was 400 but I brought home 320 What about that $80? What did that $80 do? Well, there's a lot of waste in government, but the fact of the matter is I drive my car on some pretty nice roads. Uh, you know, I've been in other parts of the world where you wouldn't believe the condition of the infrastructure. And so our taxes support the infrastructure. Our taxes support our national security. In other words, we don't have we don't have uh, invading armies coming and robbing and pillaging. Uh, uh, you know, there, there's 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 uh Law and order is maintained. We've got prisons to house criminals. and So in other words, I'm getting a considerable benefit out of that money that did not come home in, in my hand that was part of my pay, but the government took part of it to provide services to me. I mean, that's actually 
that's actually the way that should be viewed. Now, admitting that there's a lot of waste in government, but I'm telling you what, we're getting a lot of benefit. I mean, we we live in a very blessed place. If you've ever been elsewhere in the world, you, you would you may, that might come home in your realization a little clearer, but I, I would agree with Randy. All right. Garland says, I've always thought gross income was more appropriate, but as I think about it now, I wonder if that's so. Suppose two people under different tax jurisdictions make $100 each, and both have decided to contribute 20% to the church. The first person is taxed at 60%, leaving 40% of the net income, while the second person is taxed at 20%, leaving 80% of the net income. If they contribute based on gross income, $20 each, the first person is left with 20 to live on, while the second person is left with 60, three times as much. If they contribute based on net income, the first person contributes 8, leaving him 32, while the second per- person contributes 16, leaving him with 64. Take the scenario to the extreme where the tax rate is over 80%. It would be impossible to give 20% of income of gross since you have less than that left after taxes. So giving based on net income takes into account uh, the effect of mandatory government taxes that directly impact the real purchasing power of our income provides. Of course, this all assumes that a percentage is the proper basis for giving. If that's not the case, then gross versus net probably is a moot question. He asked, am I missing something? You know, Garland makes an interesting point, and I believe in the wisdom of God. This may very well be why a percentage wasn't specified in the New Testament. Under the Old Testament, they were all living under the Jewish, uh, not only religious law, but civil law. So it was a one government situation, and so they were all being treated the same. But the New Testament would would pertain to people living under all different kinds of civil regimes, and therefore taxation would be different, and other things would be different, and and that may very well be part of God's wisdom in not specifying a percentage. God specified sacrificial giving, and then we need to be giving sacrificially. Yeah. Johnny in Leoma, Tennessee says, the only answer I can give here is give as we are prospered. If this is net or gross, I think we know the answer. So, Johnny... uh, says you you probably know how to feel about that yourself. Jake in Finland says it depends. For example, in the States, the taxes are a lot smaller. Thus, I personally see the gross income option as the better one. But here in Europe, most countries have high taxes, up to 40% of your income. The net income option may be the only reasonable one. Overall, we should give. But while we do not, but while we do that, we shouldn't do it because we have to, but instead to help those in need and those spreading the gospel. All right. Jim in Mount Pleasant, Tennessee, has written and says, I think it should be based upon what you receive by way of God prospering you. And since God also commands us that we should give to Caesar what is Caesar's, then I see no disgrace in one giving what they get by way of their paycheck without worrying about how much they might have gotten if taxes were not taken out. That being said, I think it is wonderful when Christians receive a tax refund and also give from that. So Jim says he's even heard of some who who make a contribution out of their tax refund check. That's that's interesting, but I don't think he necessarily agrees on on the on the idea of giving out of your gross pay. All right, Frank in Indianapolis says, brethren, I think not. We give on the basis of our own commitment, our our own priority to the support of God's kingdom. I do think we give as we prosper. Sometimes we have prospered more in a pay period than in another, so we give more then. Happy to have it. On pay periods when the income is down, we are happy to give what we can. I think to look toward the end of the year and say, this is what I will have as a gross amount takes away from our from the regular Lord's Day when we normally give. 
We lose the joy when we just give the same amount every time. It is good to think about our giving and give happily of what we have received. My opinion, of course. The main thing is giving happily of what we have, having the right motivation. Thank you, Frank, for those comments. All right. Maya said, she just said, our gross income, she didn't offer any explanation, so we just take her on the side of those who think we should consider gross income. Wade in Hampshire, Tennessee, disagrees with giving of the gross. He said, Jesus said in Matthew 22, verse 21, render therefore unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God's. So I honestly don't even get that tax money. God has already dedicated that money to our government. Hmm. Okay. Well, but don't forget, Wade, that, as we said earlier, you're getting a considerable benefit from the government. Uh, they're providing a lot of services that, that are a true benefit to you. You're so. saying it would be sort of like uh, you might look at your if you rent, it, rent your home. Well, God's uh, told me that I need to be paying rent, so that money I'm not going to pay uh, those yeah. expenses. And God told me to pay my bills, so if I have a car payment, I'm not going to pay on that. So you could get yourself down where you didn't have anything left to give to the Lord. Yeah, uh, I think that might be the fallacy of that reasoning, something to consider anyway. Uh, we've got several more emails, Jacob, and we're running out of time. Uh, Keith in Lynchburg says, I would give out of the gross. Giving to God should be more important than giving to Uncle Sam, even though we must obey the laws of our land and pay taxes in order to be pleasing to God. Being pleasing in God's eyes has to be our ultimate goal in order to get to heaven when this life is over. Uh, so Keith says, go with the gross amount. Um uh, let me have trouble getting them up here, Jacob. Uh, Dean, I don't think he, he didn't comment about that. Uh, uh, Jerry uh, gave us a little uh, uh, follow-up to his earlier statement. It seems to me that one should consider that giving of the Jews was also supporting the civil government. So when they gave their tithe, it was in support of the civil government. Uh, so... Uh, I'm not sure how to factor that in exactly. Uh, then we've got also uh, Arthur in Cullioca, Tennessee, suggests Romans 15.4 in response to this discussion. What's it say, Jacob? Romans 15.4 is along the lines of using the tithe as a guideline for what sort of things were written aforetime were written for our learning that we, through patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. And so he would agree with that idea of the tithe being uh, maybe a general goal to set in your giving. And now we've got an, a question coming in that's just going to just maybe muddy the waters even more. Here, this is from Jared in Cookville, Tennessee, who writes, What about claiming contribution as a tax write-off? In other words, if I – and, and you know, when, when you're – we're going to be – Reporting our taxes here, filling out those crazy forms again uh, that we all hate to do. And, you know, you can take a deduction. Whatever you gave in charitable giving, you can take a deduction uh, and save your tax dollars. Could you, should you do that? Well, you shouldn't give because of the tax deduction. That would not be the right motivation. Well, it wouldn't make any money. And it wouldn't be very smart. <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, uh, I see no problem in that if the government is willing well, to. Well, I think that would go, to the, would go to that point. Render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar, and to God the things that are God's. Caesar, or the government, is not demanding us to pay taxes on that, and therefore it, it, it's, it's, it's allowed. Not, it's and not why we give. It's not why we give to get the but deduction. But we're going to pay our taxes on what they require us to pay taxes on, and they require us to pay taxes on things that we didn't give to charity. Yeah. Okay. All right. I think we've got most of our emails covered, Jacob, uh, and it looks like we're just uh, going to run out of time here. But I think it's been a good discussion and a, a valuable one. It's important for us. You know, a lot of people are turned off by the whole idea of talking about giving. 
but it's a necessary thing. The scriptures teach it. And uh, as we pointed out earlier, God throughout all dispensation of time has expected his people to give, to be sacrificial in giving. Again, not because he needs it. He doesn't need anything from us. He knows it's in our interest to be sacrificial. And uh, this is the way that the church obtains funds for its work by the giving of the members of the church uh, to the work. And so, Dad, we're not soliciting funds from our listeners tonight. We're not asking you to send in your money to us. That's not the way that this, this, is, this church gets obtains money to do its work. This program is is the, the the work of the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee, and is funded by the free will first day of the week contribution of the saints here. We're, and and anybody who's been listening knows that we have never asked for anyone to send in a dime and wouldn't want you to and wouldn't take it if you did. The but uh, you know when we think about our duties as Christians, this is one of them to give, and we need to understand. What's involved in that? It's it's a command, and therefore it's it's worthy to talk about how we should be responding to that command. And let's repeat what we said at the beginning of the program, Dad. The giving that God has always required is giving that is sacrificial. And as we think about our giving to the Lord, we need to ask ourselves, are we sacrificing anything in doing that? Are we being sacrificial in our giving, and are we doing it with the right attitude, not of necessity, but doing it cheerfully? Exactly right. Good convers- good good discussion. Good study night, Jacob. I hope it's been helpful to everybody who listens. And thank you for listening and being a part of the program. If you have any questions or comments about the things that we said or any questions about the College View Church of Christ, you can call anytime at 877-381-4567. You can email anytime, questions at collegeview.com, or you can use the audio comment feature of our website to leave your feedback about this program or anything that you've heard on the virtual Bible study in the past. Thank you again for joining us. We hope you'll make plans to be back here next week for another edition of the virtual Bible study. And in the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study his inspired word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.